0: choose wisely choose wendy's two for six for a limited time price participation may vary at u.s wendy's on the card only single item at regular price i've confronted hundreds of men over two decades i have been in television for 24 years i just came to get something to eat and i have very seldom been at a loss for words Uh, I just came to get something to eat. Men online looking for children to sexually assault. What's the motive here? Explain to me. No, you're right. No, you're right. It's stupid. It's not. It's an illegal thing. Yeah, I know. I did a stupid thing. Men from all walks of life. A doctor. A teacher. A clergyman. You sent pornographic pictures through the mail. Okay, that's a federal offense right there. You know I'm in trouble. And I know it. I tried to get into their heads and understand why. Pizza we have tonight. I, I, I want to know who you are. I want to know a little bit more about you first. Can I eat first? Sure, go ahead. Let's see if any of this sounds familiar while you enjoy your pizza, and ultimately make sure they face justice. You ask her if she's a virgin. I ask everybody all kinds of stuff. It's just talk. You ask her if she's horny. What's wrong with that? You ask if she does anal. It's a question. Question. Who are they? Have they tried to prey on other children? And where are they now? These are the predators I've caught. I'm Chris Hansen. If you don't know where Greenville, Ohio is, you'd be just like me in about 2006. Greenville is in Dark County. It's about 40 miles from Dayton, Ohio, and about two hours from Cincinnati. We were contacted by the Dark County Sheriff's Department to talk about doing a predator investigation. We had done some investigations in larger areas, more populated areas, but this was the first time we had gone to a small town. Greenville is... About population at the time, four to 5,000 people. Dark County, obviously, a little bit bigger. But there isn't a ton there. There's a shopping mall and a handful of restaurants and sports bars. And when you drive in, you kind of wonder, well, could there possibly be predators here? The night before the investigation, we all gathered at a sports bar in town and had dinner and kind of talked about what we thought would happen. There was some fear that because it was a small town, that if word got out, it could Jeopardize the investigation. We had a home rented. It was a big home, a luxurious home owned by a bachelor builder who had a seven car garage and a luxurious walkout basement. So the guys had been there for a number of days setting up the hidden cameras and the control room. And eh, I had a good feeling about the house, but it was kind of tucked away on a rural road across from some farmland. And you wonder is anybody going to be able to find this place? Well, sure enough, day one, guys started showing up. But each predator investigation has its own rhythm. And Ohio, Dark County, Greenville was no different. First day, we had uh, a handful of guys show up. And on the second day, man, it was just eight hours of nothing. And when you're in one of these predator houses and involved in one of these investigations you can get rangy you can uh, just get impatient and pace up and down and wonder if you know this is the end to the predator franchise as we know it but sure enough Saturday night and Sunday things started to pick up and one of the fellows who surfaced in the Greenville Dark County Ohio investigation was a fellow by the name of James Rutherford now He may not stick out as one of the most well-known predators or one of the marquee guys who showed up naked or who was a doctor, but he was a teacher. And it was a seminal moment for me because of the way this interview went out. Now, we knew going into this that he taught school, uh, sixth grade, and that he was a track coach as well. So you've got a situation from the get-go where... This guy is teaching children, coaching children, the same age as the young girl he's coming to this house to visit. A 13-year-old girl, in this case, the decoy was posing as. And for the first time, we had an actual decoy, in this case, a young woman named Emily, who was a theater student, with us because we found that the predators were starting to ask for video chats and pictures, so we needed a decoy on site who could respond to the demands of the potential predator. In the previous investigations, we had Dell who could pose as a boy or girl and was really, really good at it, but we needed something else. So we had the decoy, Emily, and she got on with the teacher, James Rutherford, his screen name was IU Rutherford for Indiana University, which is apparently where he went for his education to become a teacher. And they went back and forth in pretty graphic terms, and he got into it right away. Online, Emily's screen name is Princess Danica. She says, what you do. Rutherford says, I'm a teacher. The decoy says, they're in Cincy. What you teach, sixth grade, monsters. Not much younger than you now. But I think about it. LOL. Yeah, I'm not a monster, though. They aren't either. I just like calling them that. Later in the chat, Rutherford says, Can I kiss you anywhere? I'm so freaking horny. He asks the decoy to show her stomach. She does, and it seems to excite him. Finally, after all of that chat, Rutherford shows up at our home in Greenville. He pulls up behind the house in a recently purchased red Corvette. We can watch him on the hidden camera monitor. He gets out of the car and he walks over to the door and knocks. The decoy answers, says, come on in. And he's, he's cagey. I can I can see that he's, you know, somewhat apprehensive. He's walking around pacing a little bit. Finally, she says, come in, come in. And he says, come here, come here. So he opens the door slowly and walks in. I'm out of the room. This is a like a basement family room type situation. And and he comes in and she has a chat and says, I'll be right there, I promise. I'll be right there. Just come in. And he's cautious. But then I feel that if I don't move soon he could hmm, perhaps walk away. So I move in and I tell him, you've got to have a seat right over there. And Actually, I want you to come here. That's what I thought. Can you have a seat right over there, please? And it's an interesting dynamic because he does immediately take a seat and the setup was a a bar that you'd see in, you know, somebody's rec room basement, kind of a man cave type situation. And he sits on the stool and, and I start asking him questions. And he's very cagey at first. He wants to know who I am and he wants to know what I'm doing there. Who do you work for? I'll get to that in a minute. No, i I really like to know. I'm sure I'm on TV or something right now. It's It's one of those situations where I really think that had I not been patient, I mean, really, really patient and let this play out and really try to understand what led him to get into this situation, he could have clammed up pretty quickly and we wouldn't have gotten much out of it. As it turns out, the conversation would go for 45 minutes or longer and he would admit things I don't think he planned on admitting when he walked in. I've thought about this a lot. For years, maybe I should just stop. Now remember, I already know what he does for a living. I know the school where he teaches. I know that he's a coach because he's talked about all this stuff online with the decoy, who again he thinks is a thirteen year old girl, Princess Danica. We also are able to do some background checks on him. So we know, you know, where he lives, what he does, and and that's all been confirmed by the time he walks in the door I had a feeling this was this was some sort of setup right away he says he had a feeling this could be a setup he's not really sure if it's a television show although you'll find out in a minute that he's seen to catch a predator before or if I'm the mad dad or the police officer but he starts to figure it out as we continue our conversation at first Rutherford says that well He was just bored. I didn't come here for anything physical. I just bored. That he was going through a divorce. That he was having a hard time in life and was just looking to chat with somebody. I asked him, why don't you just go to a sports bar, watch a game, chat with people your own age. He said, well, you know, I thought about that. I thought about stopping at the Wright-Patterson Air Force Museum on the way from Cincinnati to, to Greenville. I thought about stopping at other tourist attractions along the highway, but I decided to continue going. And then I started getting into his head a little bit and and trying to understand really what led him to this predicament. And he admits to me that he had been on the internet very early as a kid himself. And as he got older, his chats were still with kids who were the same age as he was when he first started getting involved in this chat play and this role play that he was talking about. He then says, are you going to turn me in? And I said, well, that's not up to me. And we get into his background as to what he does. And and I remind him, I said, this girl you were here to see is the same age as the kids in your class, the same age as the kids you coach in track. And he swears up and down. That he's never done this before. He's never been attracted to kids. He has never even thought of an inappropriate relationship with anybody in his class. But the chats are very, very graphic. He talks about not only being a teacher, but what he would do if this girl was his student, how they could flirt. There's nothing wrong with flirting, is there? And it continues from there. And when he talks about flirting with her as his student. He says, I know I shouldn't, but I'd like to. I ask him again, what school he works at. What school do you teach at? I'm not going to tell you. Now, I already know the answer to this question. It's St. Margaret of York. He admits that in Cincinnati. It's a private school. Over and over again, he indicates to me that he knows the trouble that he's in. He says, my life just ended. I don't know effing why I did this. It was stupid. I need help, he says. This is the first time. I don't want to do anything with her. He suggests that maybe he would have kissed the girl, but wouldn't have really had sex. Now, again, the chat indicates something different. The chat indicates that he was game for whatever would have gone down. To me, this particular interview with James Rutherford was a lesson in being patient letting him talk it out. And at every juncture where I thought this interview might end, he ended up continuing telling me his story. At one point, he actually says not only had he seen a previous predator investigation on Dateline, he talks about specifically the guy who showed up twice, John Kennelly, who showed up naked on one night at the home where we were doing the investigation, the second predator investigation in Herndon, Virginia, and who then surfaced again the following day at a McDonald's. He talks about this specifically. He even goes on to say that he and his fellow teachers had a discussion about it and how they needed to have a open and honest discussion with their students about the dangers of being online. And yet here he is, almost unbelievably caught in a predator investigation. And then he's going to try to convince me over and over again that he should get a break. Now, he's still trying to figure out if the police are there, if I'm going to turn over this information to authorities, if his life has just come to an end as he knows it. He's already having a rough go. He's getting divorced. He's trying to sort through that. But it would seem that You know, here's a guy who's 26. You know, decent-looking fellow. Articulate. He's got a job. He's got a red Corvette. He could pretty much be anywhere he wants on a Sunday, doing whatever he wants, and yet he's chosen to be in this house trying to meet and have a sexual liaison with a 13-year-old girl. More about this predator I've caught in a moment. And now he's talking to me. He goes on to say about how much he loves teaching and how sorry he is he starts to call me mr hansen i'm sorry mr hansen now, i haven't even told him my name yet but he's slowly figuring this out and then it gets a little more familiar he starts calling me chris talks about divorce is tough how he's going to lose his job as a teacher because of being caught how he's going to jail and how he's not going to survive in jail geordi is playing this out in his mind he asks if We can talk off camera. And then we get into this long discussion about how he realizes he needs psychiatric help and he offers to get it. And then he starts negotiating about how if he gets help, if he promises to seek help, if we could somehow not use this interview on television. Then it goes into how he would like us not to use his identity or his name. So he's working this through his mind as to how he can escape this situation. And right now, he is willing to do just about anything he can to get out of this. And I'm letting him talk because I think this is interesting. It's fascinating. It's very telling about who these guys are and what leads them into this predicament. At one point, he actually says, give me a Bible. I'll swear on it. I might have kissed her, but it was not going to go any further than that. And then he becomes introspective, asking me, how do I stop this? How do I stop doing this? And I tell him, well, you know, obviously we want you to get help. We want everybody who gets caught in these investigations to get help. But this is about not only understanding how you got here, it's about exposing the danger online that a guy like you Presents, and it's about seeking justice for a potential victim here. He starts to explain to me how he really wasn't going to carry out what he discussed online. And I point out to him that what he does online, the way he talks to this girl he thinks is 13, is very much consistent with the grooming process we see predators use online, and he then acknowledges that and even remembers us talking about that in one of our previous investigations on Dateline. I I remember hearing that and thinking, is that me? Is that what I'm doing? Over and over, he asks if there's a chance that perhaps this could be kept off television. And I said, well we're doing a story here. Obviously, we're going to include the men, the alleged predators who surface in the story, and you are one of them. I can't tell you how much is going to be used or what other characters are going to be involved, but it's going to be used. And Actually, I offer him a business card with my office number and my email on it so he can contact me, which is only fair. And he takes it. But now he's at a point where He's transitioned from being nervous about staying and wanting to go to being nervous about going because he's not sure what's going to happen next. So this dance continues between the two of us and he keeps poking and prodding me about, what if I do this? What if I promise that? What if I ensure that I get treatment or I get help and that I never do this sort of thing again? Is there any way out of this situation? And again, I remind him that that's not up to me. And he wants to know if he's going to be arrested, if I'm going to turn this information, these chat logs, this video over to authorities. And I don't commit either way. And then it becomes time to acknowledge his suspicions that I am, in fact, Chris Hansen. And this is a show called To Catch a Predator and the camera operators come out, cameramen come out, the sound men come out, and now he's positive that he's going to be on camera because he can see the camera. And remember up until this point, as with all the investigations, we use hidden cameras. And that allows us to get sort of an unvarnished look at all this because they don't realize, the predators don't realize or they don't intellectually acknowledge that they're on camera the whole time. They think they're just talking to me. And once the visible cameras come out, then it, it hits them, you know, like they're just whacked with the boom mic they see the sound man carrying. It becomes real to them. And sometimes they, they clam up. Sometimes they get anxious and borderline violent. And sometimes they try to run. In this case, Rutherford didn't want to go. And I almost had to initiate and say, "Okay, it's time to go, it's time to go. We're through here." And he reluctantly gets up and he walks out of the door to the basement, onto the back patio and the Dark County Sheriff's Department detectives are there waiting, and they tell him to put his hands up. <laughs> And it's almost a slow-motion arrest. He He's not violent. He doesn't resist. doesn't try to run. He knows he's caught. And he's still processing all this information. And he puts his hands behind his head, and they cuff him, and they take him away. Rutherford initially pleads not guilty, and his case goes through the court system. He is fired from his job at the school. His divorce continues. And... He has the ability to get a good, solid defense lawyer. One of the things I found interesting, although not surprising, is that about a week after the segment with James Rutherford aired on television, we got a call from a detective in Carmel, Indiana, alerting us that she was posing as a teen online and that Rutherford had surfaced in that investigation and it actually masturbated on a webcam in an interaction with that decoy that detective posing as a young girl he was also charged in that case but imagine all this him telling me how he had never done it before he wasn't really going to follow through on any of it and it turns out that he's under investigation in a different state for the same sort of thing so what does that tell you It tells you that even though these guys swear up and down, I've never done this before, I wasn't going to do anything, that that's just not true in the vast majority of cases. Ultimately, after months going through different hearings and pleading not guilty, Rutherford does plead guilty. And as part of the plea agreement, he serves 45 days in the Dark County Jail. He does 40 hours of community service, pays $2,000 in court costs and fines. He is not to have contacts with minors ever. No porn by any means, no drugs, no alcohol, and he must submit to a DNA sample to become part of a database in the state of Ohio. Once he was released, Rutherford had 36 months of community control or parole. Had he violated the conditions of that parole, he could have gone to state prison for 10 years. He has to undergo indefinite sex offender counseling. He underwent psychological sexual offender evaluation and treatment. And he has to be a registered sex offender in Ohio and had to report for 10 years after his sentence. His teaching certificate in Ohio was revoked for good. Eventually, in 2017, Rutherford was able to get his name removed from the sex offender registry. He has since remarried and has at least one child. The last job we were able to confirm for James Rutherford was as a salesman for cosmetics. It's unclear as to whether he continues that job today. At the end of our interview, before Rutherford walks out to be arrested, he actually apologizes. I'm sorry, Mr. Hansen. Sorry, all you guys. Both to me and to the crew. Says, sorry, guys, and pleads, don't think of me as a monster. I don't want you to think I'm a monster. James Rutherford, 26 years old when he surfaced in to catch a predator. A rough life ever since then, as is the case with many of the predators we've caught. So, what's the takeaway here? I think probably. And most important is that, again, these guys come from all walks of life. This is one of two or three teachers we've seen over the years. And you have to wonder, you know, were they leading just some dark secret life online? Clearly, you could argue that Rutherford's intent was to have sex with a 13-year-old girl. And if she was willing, he would have consummated that act committing statutory rape in Ohio. Would that ultimately have manifested itself into an inappropriate relationship or some grooming of a child he taught? Or are these people somehow able to compartmentalize what they do for a living with the kids in their care and authority? And does the online world become something where they lose this grasp on reality And they blur the line between fantasy and reality. And the next thing you know, after this online chat, they're knocking on the door of our predator house. It'd be interesting to talk to James Rutherford today. We've reached out but have not heard back from him. I'll continue to try to to do that with him and so many others. I think it'd be interesting. Most of them don't want the notoriety or the attention, but... I've come close in a few cases of getting guys to to speak out, to tell their cautionary tale, maybe give us a story of redemption. We'll keep trying. In the meantime, we'll keep digging into the backgrounds and telling the stories you've not heard before about predators I've caught. I also want to just take a moment and thank everybody who's Listen to this podcast. There's only one chicklet, writes, a great podcast in investigative work. I really enjoy listening to these stories and truly hope it helps stop these horrible crimes against children. Well, I couldn't agree with you more, but I do need to remind everyone that it's not just me. We had a whole team of people working on these investigations, producer, camera crew, sound crew, associate producer, and law enforcement, perverted justice. And even in the predator investigations since we worked with perverted justice, we have decoys who do the very difficult and cagey work of having to converse with these predators. And even in the more recent investigations, which are coming out on the YouTube channel, have a seat with Chris Hansen, and will soon be out on television, it's a lot of work goes into them and more... Certainly, than my involvement. It takes a whole group of people to put these things together, and uh, it's no easy task. And from AXM 06082, I've only got two words to describe this podcast role playing chat room. I wish Chris would blank their blank. Well, that of course refers to uh, a fellow we caught in Fort Myers, Florida. We'll get into his story very soon about him claiming that all the talk of sex with a Underage girl was just role-playing. Two words, role-playing chat room. Well, it's actually four words, and that became sort of a cult following with the TCAP community. Blank there blank. Well, you know what that's about. We oftentimes on television at least have to uh not use certain words that are used in the chat. And another comment from Schmuck amuck I have successfully taught school for 23 years and have never found a podcast more interesting than Chris Hansen's latest. The Christian part of me was going to talk me out of listening, but I came over anyway. I think some of these comments are just as clever as the podcast. Jacob Petticord writes, have a seat right over there. Thank you for all your comments. I truly appreciate it, and I'll be back again in a week when we both have a seat To talk about predators I've caught, I'm Chris Hansen.